Sorry, Doubt Twisted Fantasy came out November 22nd, 2010. I'm just pointing out that if we do a Black Guys in a Box all decade album list and we all get one veto, I promise you there'll be no Kanye on there. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to the, I guess it's, this is the Splinter Cell edition of Black Guys in the Box, because it's clearly it's just myself, Coffee Smiles, Mr. Angela Irvin, how's it going? Yeah, healthy, healthy. Uh, like everybody, I think, kind of crawling into this festive season, uh, working with young people, it just means that you catch everything that they've got. So I've got every disease that every 13-year-old has got within like a 40 mile radius. These kids don't kind of sneeze and put anything over their mouths or c they just cough openly. It's like, I don't have to be a parent, but I will slap you upside your head. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> are you a um, fan of Christmas? No. Uh, I am definitely the Scrooge. Like, I might turn my heating up an extra half a degree. Uh, but otherwise, just keep it, keep it, like, keep it moving. Keep it moving. And the thing is, is for me, I don't want to kind of get too soapboxy, but it's, it feels, I, I know so many people that go into debt mm. for Christmas mm. that kind of will spend all this time traveling to be with people. And then after about five or six hours, just feeling captive in a house with this kind of mythical spirit of Christmas. Mm. Um, my thing is, is like, I try and be great to people as often as I can so that we kind of avoid this sort of corporate Christmas kind of thing. Mm. Um, because I, I yeah, I, so when I say dislike Christmas, I, I think the intent of it is great, but I think the execution is the very whole cool. vibe of this force fun. Everybody's got to be happy. Everybody's got to have loved ones. Everyone's got to be with everyone and gleeful and cheery all the time. It's a mm. bit like, you know, like you said, parents going into debt just to prove that their kids that they love them by buying them the latest J's and he was computer, I don't know, whatever drop Fallout uh, Fortnite have um, <laughs> coming around at the moment, but yeah, it is a bit, I find it quite stressful. I think uh, having spent years working in retail and bars, anytime it comes to this time of year, I'm a bit like anxious, purely because of, you got a lot of people coming out where it's the first time they've been out drinking that year, so they're generally quite douchebags, douchebaggery. Um, a lot of people that when they used to work for a certain technological company, if you didn't have the latest phone that got released a month ago in stock on Christmas Eve, it was your fault and you're an idiot. <laughs> so, you know, and the fact that these are regular customers that have just bought an iPad for their three-year-old, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and a brand new Mac for their seven-year-old yeah. and stuff. So, but you know, Nate, how are you doing anyway? How are you feeling about everything in the, in the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh. I'm on my Phil Mitchell tour of, of the North East. Um, just for me, I love the festive season because obviously it brings people together and uh, I've been I've been enjoying it. Um, really fortunate with work as well at the minute where we, you know, the, we've been out for food, doing all the socials, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, yeah, Christmas is just, it's an excuse to see the family. That's all I've ever viewed it as really. Um, just a chance for the whole family to get together, spend some time that way, and that's that's it for Christmas for me. I mean, I was on the phone to my brother the other day, and I was like, "Yo, do you want anything for Christmas?" Oh, he was at my house. I was like, "Yo, you want anything for Christmas?" He was like, "Nah, because if you buy me something, I've got I've got to buy you something, <laughs> and I might as well just buy myself something." <laughs> and that's just that's just I the logic it. we have like of, of, of hiding. 
Um, yeah, but now looking forward to spending some time with the family. Looking forward to like disconnecting from the Matrix. I do like this whole Phil Mitchell tour because yeah, I, yeah. I'm gonna see pictures of you in January and he's just gonna be Ian Beale. Right? Just absolutely <laughs> Ian Beale by January comes around. I mean, what is it? It was Mad Friday uh, last night, wasn't it? So it was nice to be, you know, yeah, just it, Mad Friday just passed by. Like I saw, I was like, why is everyone going into town? And I was like, yeah. oh. Of course, it's the Friday before Christmas. But I'm I'm the same as you, man. I used to work in the bars and that. So like, even with New Year's Eve and all this, mm. I'm like, yo, what are we doing? What are you doing for New Year's? I'm like, probably just staying at my house, mm. you know, just chilling. Like I'm, I'm not attached to going in a nightclub. Till, I tell you, you what, know, though, whatever time these one, days. One thing I do miss about Christmas, and it seems to be, uh, it seems to have changed now that everyone has got a little bit older. Um, everyone has, if you form like small towns, people, people seem to descend on them. People seem to gather. But it's just, I'm not spending time with Wednesday anymore. So it's just like, it's just not happening. It just doesn't seem to be, the vibe's not there. People who you might have known over 10, 15, 20, 30 years, it's, the energy's sort of been a bit lost now, so which is quite disappointing. So, but Mad Friday in places like Wednesday and, and then Beverly are insane. Is that, Absolutely crazy. Is is it that Mad Friday's changed, or that because kind of the ages that we're we're at, there's people that have got more things going on. So when you're 18, 20, nobody's in long term relationship, mm. nobody has kids. It's kind of Mad Friday is your chance to kind of Ooh. meet people. I'm I'm just wondering. Last year when I went there, when I was in Withensee on Mad Friday, it was quiet. Like the pubs, it was really weird. And the Friday and the year before that, it was a bit like I went out with this, with my uh, with my siblings because usually me and my brother and my sisters we go out and you know we've all got similar sort of friendship groups because they'll have brothers and sisters. Oh, we'll have friends who are friends without who have brothers and sisters who are friends with our other siblings and stuff. So it's usually nice to sort of go out and see people. But even all the younger lot, it was dead. And we're like, where where are they? Do you know what I mean? They're definitely not going to be having their own beach parties on the because <laughs> it's too bloody cool. Uh, you know, or they're having house parties and even all the pubs that let all the underages in. They were they were pretty much but dead. There's so. also a cost aspect as well, isn't yeah. it? That kind of I remember going to university, and there were people that would literally go out to drink every night. You know, in whole your night, if it was like. Uh, Monday night waterfront, Tuesday night position, Wednesday night AU night, Thursday night welly, Friday night Piper, Saturday night town, um, and they would do this. But the thing is, is this is where you kind of when you've had kind of what twelve, thirteen years of economic downturn, if people can't mm. afford it. So I, I I was at a party last night and it was you know a bring your own bottle. Yeah, um, but and, that's and cheaper, do, isn't it? Of course it's, it is. You have... I, I can, and also you can control your spending. Mm. So it's like okay, I might have spent ten pounds, but I know that at the end of the night I'm going to have spent ten pounds, mm. um, and we'll walk to, we'll walk home together in convoy. Mm. Um, whereas you know we've all done it where you have a night and you're like, right, I didn't. You look at your bank account and your bank account's looking Good. at you sideways. That the next day, like man screaming, you're a prick. But <laughs> <laughs> well, your bank account's looking at you like, no, we gotta have words. We gotta have words. Honestly, we gotta have words. Think... Oh, you wanted food. <laughs> You got bills to pay? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's good that it's good that we're doing this. I'm like, we can call it like an end of year special. I don't want to call it a Christmas special. Uh, and for those listening and wondering where Don and uh, Dana, they just they just don't want it enough. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to slander a person when they're not here, but I heard that they've just kind of got no commitment. Um, they just don't want to be here. Tom Harriet Dompson's gone fully clear. Uh, the, the chair has started a new job. He's like, he I'm be, big time now. He's mate, bougie. He hasn't even been seen. Like, his social media's gone. Everything's disappeared. Like, he's, he's ascended to different levels. Like, he's pure energy right now. Do you know what I mean? And that's cool, man. They're doing their thing. So we thought we'd get together and we'd talk a little bit about... Just a few things. How we're feeling about race compared to what? 
10 years ago yeah, where we were 10 years ago and compared to now we might be having a little bit of chat about our favourite singles of the year favourite song albums of the year which is probably the hardest thing I've had to do all year and obviously we want to think about what we can do going forward in 2020 to help support each other to help just to support I, we, we, we talk about black people but I think anyone really I feel like we, we need to widen this um, cast this net out a bit further to anyone who feels like we can help we can support we can encourage we can uplift and I think I don't know there's a lot of people like that in that situation and thinking that we should just be helping each other on our own yeah, I think no. it's, it's putting up barriers and boundaries when is it when we're at a time where we need to be coming together personally I think myself no I agree I agree I don't know what you guys think about that, but anyway, so <laughs> let's think, kick. Sorry. Just on that, I think that it's impossible to ignore the fact that, you know, this country's just had an election and that we've um, elected a government that I think it's, I don't care where the Overton window is, it definitely feels like a far right government. And um, I think that the, in terms of struggle, um, there's a, I can't remember the stand up, but one of the, it's a black comedian, he says, um, he talks about stuff that's happening in Trump's America, and he goes, look, we're all, and he uses the N-word now, he's like, we're all N-words now. And and I think that I've had this idea that essentially 2020 moving forward, it's got to be about the community that you're in, because it's not about black, white. I don't know about, mm. I don't know if it's happened where you are, because obviously you're in a flat, but I've had quite a few um, families knocking on my door doing carol singing. Um, <clears throat> but it's quite clear that this is they're looking to kind of get enough money to get presents for their kids mm. this is and this is kind of the community thing it's like i've we, we're really lucky where we live that we've got these two streets where there's a lot of local businesses and you know i've just had to make this real commitment that i'm going to really support the local community mm. because um i think that before i could almost have been a bit complacent be like everybody will be fine but I do feel that as we go into 2020, one thing that we have to fight really hard for is hope. Mm. Um, and I don't, and I think that that kind of means in your, you know, economic decisions, in what you choose to put your time into. Mm. And obviously, we're going to talk about the projects that we're looking to kind of continue in 2020. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think with hope, it's, I had this conversation with a friend uh, about a week ago. Empathy has to be big on people's list. Mm. I think we significantly lost that. No matter how good, how much good you feel like you're doing, without taking the time to sort of think and understand what other people are going through, or even like you understand that you might not be able to understand what they're going through, and just say like, look, this person is clearly dealing with something. Taking that extra second to try and consider what someone else is thinking about dealing with, it can make a world of difference. Because no one, I feel like very few people are thinking about how anyone else feels other than themselves, which is in itself not necessarily a bad thing but you can tell that people are just their backs against the wall aren't they people have got to the, it's people are in fight or flight now people are just thinking about surviving so they don't really have that time or some people don't even have the luxury to consider what is going on in somebody else's life and i just think if we can help promote that push that or even help people get to a point where they feel like they can spend a little bit more time thinking about each other i think we're doing a, a decent thing I mean, we spoke about it last night didn't we yeah and i think that's i think the point about hope is a big one for me mm. i think reflecting on you know especially like the narrative surrounding the election um, and just generally you know you go on online and the kind of stuff you're reading it's just like oh, come on have we got no have we got nothing to to kind of you know uh, kind of be more positive about everything seems to be you know built on 
on fear and of and, and the kind of division and I just think it's a completely unreasonable way to, to, to go out into the world, mm. you know, and to, to build your viewpoint of the world, to always be scared of something, to always be to be thinking someone's coming for yours, where I think, yeah, switching to a more positive, constructive mindset of no, I'm gonna go out into this big, bad, scary world mm. but I'm gonna try and, you know, contribute where I can. And I think that's the big one for me as well. I think when you look at being hopeful, I think some these I think these days people think see hope as being gullible. Mm. And like it's almost a bit naive, which I I think the total opposite to. I think you know you can be hopeful and be constructive about it. You can be hopeful and, and work towards stuff. You can be hopeful and sort of contribute towards this hope of a let's say a better future. Hope towards like things will change and um, develop rather than just being like oh I hope that I get twenty grand in in my uh, bank account at the end of the month <laughs> and not really do anything or you know play a few scratch cards you know me playing a few scratch cards of course you're opening the odds but then just blind hope without action it's just like what what is it i mean i'd go a step further i would invert that i would say it's pragmatism that is kind of a little bit stupid this idea that you know i've heard a lot of people say that you know well the conservatives will sort it out it's like what's that based on what what's, <laughs> genuinely what's that what's that based on yeah. they've, they've had nine years in power, but this idea that the status quo and kind of, well, there isn't a magic money tree. Well, it seems for some things and some people, there is a magic money mm. tree. There's a magic money tree for companies that don't pay the same levels of tax as us three, mm. for example. Mm. There's a magic money tree whenever we need to kind of build kind of military to kind of go and bomb countries. Mm. And and this idea that, pragma that, that hope is kind of naive, I would say that the kind of pragmatism that people espouse is extremely naive. Mm. I just don't understand. But people that would say that, though, the people wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't see that. People wouldn't see themselves as viewing it, hoping that sort of way. But I think that's that's one of the big points for me is that people are happy being lied to. Hmm. Like, where, you know what I mean? Or not is it that happy or not, not, not happy or just, do we not even recognise it? Yeah, now? yeah, it's ignorance. Think, yeah, it's it's that mix of. But even still, if you stick it on someone, you know, for oh, so and so said this, and you're like, well, no, no, they went and said this, 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 and you provide them with evidence. That's still nowadays. That's not enough to convince them, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's what makes it quite hard for me. Is like, how are you meant to have a conversation on the same plane when someone is willing to mm -hmm. be not not necessarily willing to, but is happy to accept misinformation, lies, and whatever because it it's easier. But I think even our language is broken because I, I I'm <clears throat> one of the things I've done in my life is teach English. Before about three years ago, I'd never really heard the term misinformation. Mm. It's like you're lying. But we can't say, we say untruths, <laughs> we say misinformation. Um, but it's like, and the problem is, is that you look at kind of, so one of the things that will, is, will be underreported and it will come out again in two years and Carol Cadwaller will kind of go mad all over again is how people's social media feeds, their adverts are curated to them. Mm, yeah. So me and Kofi can be sitting in the same room on the same internet uh, on the same social media yeah. and get completely different adverts and it's this micro-targeting mm. and, and the thing is you just get bombarded with it to the, to the point that you eventually go well look there's no smoke without fire mm. and, and the thing is is we, we know that in lots of different um, lots of different careers lots of different things there are certain things where people say well you, sh you wouldn't even be accused of that unless there was some smoke without fire so it doesn't matter if um, and I think that when I look at what happened in the election, I think I look at Jeremy Corbyn, and to be clear, I'm not this kind of massive Corbynite. I just kind of did think that this election really did present two different 
visions for the future. Mm. But I know that Jeremy Corbyn has been an anti-racist campaigner for 30, for, 40 years. Yeah, yeah, you know, forever. there's that iconic picture of him with the sandwich board mm. where he's kind of, you know, fighting against apartheid. But he, because he was just hammered every day for mm. um, anti-Semitism, IRA, anti-Semitism, mm. friend of terrorists, anti-Semitism, IRA. Mm. And then eventually people go, well, there's no smoke without fire. Mm. Meanwhile, you've got on the other side, the, the, the current British Prime Minister, I'm going to treat him like 45 and just not mention his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, who kind of has said, you know, um, the black people, like picking these with watermelon smiles, letter the boxes. letter boxes, and it goes on. And the thing is, is I, I used a lot of what he'd said in my dissertation because it was kind of pertinent to what I was writing about. But there isn't that same scrutiny. And where there is that same scrutiny, what truly worries me is that people go, well, do you know what I mean? They are different. They are different mm. to us. And just to finish, I'll say that one of the big things that I've seen, I don't know if you guys have seen it on social media, is um, there's this kind of thing from people that would say they're on the left and um, the government has kind of rolled back on some of its election promises. And there's almost like a kind of gloating. And it's like, well, I'm not sorry because you know we tried to we tried to warn you and i kind of say well that's oh. the same language of division mm. yeah. like how can i can't gloat because i've got skin in the game i can't mm. gloat because i've got family members that are sick and they need the nhs mm. i can't gloat because i've got family members who are in precarious employment and friends who are in precarious employment it's and people the language of division is that is where there is both sideism i think with that that type of language is coming from people trying to claw back some sort of win or trying to claw back some sort of like positive, or trying to claw back some sort of higher ground and stands like, well, we did tell you we were right, and now look, we're all suffering. It's a weird psychological sort of mentality to take, but I can understand why I could, well, I say I understand. I know the type of people that would say that type of stuff and the way it's coming from, but you know. Does it not make you laugh? Either, it's, but, it's strange. It's strange because it's like cutting your ear to spite your face. <laughs> Don't mean. Does it not make you laugh, though, that a lot of these people that have been really active on social media? Almost certainly, it was their family members that delivered the result they didn't want. Mm. It's very, and this is the thing: it's very easy for me to just kind of be a keyboard warrior, but it's very difficult to talk to racist Uncle Mick. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, though, yeah, it yeah, takes yeah, a strong yeah. individual to be able to confront. It. Well, I don't know. It, it does. I think because I've seen some people do it, and I've s online, and I've s and I've seen it happen in person mm. more often than it hasn't happened. But I think I'm quite grateful to know individuals that are willing to be like, look your blood but you're you're fucking wrong yeah you know what I mean? <laughs> which is like you need to sit down but i think that's an interesting uh, way to sort of go into this angela how long have you been teaching for uh started in 2010 right okay really because I, I was i was like I was, i'm pretty sure you said that in the notes so one of the things we were going to talk about and i think this is great i love this because it's really made me think and i've had a few flashbacks some that i wanted some that i didn't want <laughs> <laughs> some things that came into mind that i think geez that really happened uh yeah so we're looking at uh do we feel more hopeful at the end of the decade than you did at the beginning? And for people listening, when you're listening to this, please, please, please leave a comment, send us an email, tweet us, send us something on Instagram. We want to hear from you this. Please get involved because this is such an interesting, it's such an interesting way to sort of look back at everything you've done or the people that you've encountered your political mindset, anything, looking at the change, your, 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 self, your, your sort of self-preservation and your self-progress uh, over the course of 10 years is fascinating. And I want to know here what you might be happy with, what you might not be happy with, some things that surprise you. But we are looking at, do you feel more hopeful at the end of the decade than you did at the beginning? Angela, you proposed this question. Um, do you want to get going? 
do you feel more hopeful uh, the, uh, at the end of the decade than you were at the beginning? And we're going to start looking at what we were like in... Should we start with what you were like in t- 2010 yeah. compared to now? Because I think that's an interesting way to sort of build up a timeline as to why we might have felt a certain thing at one time and seeing where we are right now. To give an idea of how long ago 2010 was, I always, I always like to say it like this. In 2000, 2010 was the year the first iPad was released. And when we think about how ubiquitous yeah, that yeah. kind of tech is now, that was the first year. Um, so the, <coughs> I'm going to answer the question first, then give some of the background. I'm going to do it as like a. So I feel more hopeful because I'm aware of the power that I have as an individual. Cool. Um, and so the big thing for me in 2010 was I really felt like I was establishing these kind of huge pillars of my life. So in 2010, I was engaged. I was in a church. I was doing my teacher training. Oh, you were part of a church yeah, yeah. community? Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, what was it? Uh, just a church in Hull. Um, they, they, they didn't pay for advertising. Pardon? <laughs> oh, no, no. Just, what, 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 not, not the, what, what denomination was it? Uh, charismatic. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. You know, I'm, we'll, 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 we'll get into it. But so obviously, I, I, as I kind of reflect, I look back and I go, well, they, these are kind of like the big inviolable kind of pillars. Also, I was playing rugby. I was playing basketball at a decent level. Uh, I thought I was Superman. You know, like, I would just run for no reason. I thought I had life totally figured out. And, and, and I didn't. And, and when I look back on it, I go, it's, it's been painful, but it's been good. And the reason that I have hope now is because I kind of feel that anything, when I kind of consider what 15-year-old me would have thought about the last 10 years, I think he would have said everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. But... You know, you know, to quote Angeli, and still I rise. Yeah. You know, and it's this idea that, um, you know, I spent ten years living in this one place in Hull. I'd never. I'm a very restless person, um, and so it's taught me quite a lot about that. Um, and one of the biggest things that I've learned is that it doesn't matter where I am if my mind's not right. Hmm. And and the absolute power that you have as an individual, the fact that I'm here in this setting talking with you guys is power is testament to the power of what an individual can do to change their setting Mm. one of the things i did so the reason i don't feel like superman you guys know the story really well i'll say it very briefly was i played sport for years and years had an operation uh, got infected kind of ended the sports career but also ended that kind of feeling invincible um and it kind of really made me take stock of what i was doing with my life and things like that but one of the things I realized was I wasn't happy in a lot of areas. And I went, but, but I've, I'm choosing. And inaction is, in, is, an, is a choice in and of itself. Hmm. So over the last three years, um, I got out of teaching. I went back to university. I've kind of made big changes to my friendship group. The world around me is going to be the world around me. I can't influence how this country votes for its prime minister. Um, I can't directly influence how you know, all of these countries around the world that are kind of moving to authoritarian style leaders. But I can have happiness within my own surrounding and that you can't really ask for too much more than Mm. that. And I can try and bring happiness to the people in my surroundings. So do I feel more hopeful? Yes, because I'm trying to focus on a much smaller area rather than kind of, you know, but what about global warming? Global warming is terrifying. And you're doing your bit. Yeah, but that's it. I'm doing you my cycle, bit where I am. You're vegan, do you know what I mean? You're contributing 
I think we overlook these things that we do on a day-to-day basis that mm. actually have these big impacts. So. There's one thing I noticed is that kind of I only have my rubbish bin collected now once every like 12 weeks mm. because I try and make sure everything else is recyclable mm. or compostable. Yeah, and it, and it's not making a huge difference, but it's like I can at least say I'm doing my part. Mm. And I think it's you know that's all you can do. Mm. You can build upon that. But I think Angela, your point about like invincibility and and you know I I think where was I at the start of this decade? I was a naive eighteen year old playing college uh, college basketball, um, you know, training six six seven times a week, playing two games a week, you know, just and then kind of going to uni um, and kind of going through those experiences and the world just got. I think the big thing for me is the world got a lot bigger mm. over the last like ten years, and I think. For the first maybe five of them, um, I was just like in a in a hurricane. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of getting on with it. And then all of a sudden, I finish uni, and I'm like, oh, it's the world. And and kind of like trying to, I think especially the last few years has been about understanding my place in the world, who I want to be, you know, and and also kind of dealing with those vulnerabilities. And that kind of uh, mm. what you've said is is amazing for me because if your mind ain't right it doesn't mm. matter and I think I've learned the importance of that over the last few years something I'm still going you know I I, I, I kind of uh, live with every day this kind of idea of my mental health and this idea of you know doing what is best by me mm-hmm. um, but I think in terms of hope I think back then I was uh, yeah naive you know 16 17 year old or whatever um, where what university I was going to go to was the biggest life choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think now I've just, like I said, the world's got a lot bigger. Um, but similar to Angelo, I'm trying to make my world smaller. Mm. Or at least the world that gratifies me. You know, I think mm. it's very, I think it's very easy to, like Angelo says, man, like, yeah, I could have been tweeting about the election for the last three months and try to convince people of these views and that views and other. But instead, that's not me, and I think I've realised that I'm. I very much I'm a. You know, I I use the phrase I'm a nomad. Uh, I'm a settler, not a nomad, mm. in the sense of like I, I like to build communities, um, or build into a community where I'm at. And I think that's the focus again for for next year, um, and just generally. Uh, and I think how you can feel more hopeful is because I can I can go and speak at a, a you know a, a school event, or I can go and lend some time in an allotment. I can go and do those things hmm. which are changing my world around me they're not changing the world but I'm not trying to change the world hmm. I'm not trying to save the world God, that's, that's, you know, as much as I'd love this to be an anime and I'm the protagonist <laughs> that's not the Your case shonen story you, you know is just I mean? beginning that's it but it's not it's not that's not the case and I think I'm just trying to trying to live out some of those smaller stories and affect those you know the people much closer to me it's, it's when I look back over the last 10 years the things that I've enjoyed the most uh, when I've built and had that community of people, uh, yeah. you know, and whether it was around sport, whether it was around um, kind of my hobbies and interests, whether it was just about, you know, you know, getting through the struggle of final year uni, £10 to last a week. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's those communities and those stories which have really resonated with me uh, and taught me a lot more. So I just want to go and immerse myself in that world mm. rather than the big bad the big bad world you call yourself a settler but like I, I think I've only known you for the better part of two years yeah, now. yeah. Um, you strike you are such a sociable person yeah, do yeah you know yeah. what I mean I think that's great traits to have that I know where I want to be and I've got my homestead but you throw me out into 
foreign waters or an unknown land, I'm gonna be. I'm like Nate's gonna be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nate's probably gonna chat to someone and like find himself. Oh, how do I become Chancellor of the Exchequer? What's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? What's happening here? And I think he's great. And I just yeah. think, I think, has this come from um, the world you were in before you after obviously leaving college and then going into university, knowing you having to sort of coach, which deal with different types of people, understanding the different types of. Uh, I don't know, backgrounds and people, where they come from and mm. understanding just like, look, you know, I'm going to give you the time of day. I'm going to learn a little bit about you and that's going to help me understand and navigate this world that I'm getting into. Yeah, well, I think we touched on it last night again. Um, me and me and Kofi basically had a podcast before the podcast <laughs> last night, just getting into it, catching up. Um, I think because I went from a primary school where, uh, you know, local primary school to like a, a different school in uh, a different like town and now I went to college then I went to uni like that whole period of my life like I was constantly trying to figure out my place mm. and to be f- to be a lot of the time never really felt like I belonged like I didn't have a friendship group that was just me every day do you mm. know what I mean like if I was the protagonist in a story right. you know the same four characters popping up everywhere didn't have any of that <laughs> I was very much that social chameleon anyway so it's just who I've who I've I think naturally my mum will say it I was curious as anything do you know what I mean I was always asking questions and always doing that so I think it's just that combined with my experience as well um, and I'm not naive to think like I'm sat in this studio right now recording this not just because of my own volition and choices and actions but like because of the people I've surrounded myself with and I think Angela you've that's another point I, I agree with like the people I have in my life right now are not uh, and and then it's not like oh I got rid of the old in with the new but it's just like the people I proactively seek conversations with, mm. seek to spend time with, seek to do projects with. Um, I kind of realised I'm a lot more in control of that. And this year, especially 2019, was where I've kind of taken that a step further. Um, but yeah, I think for me, you've just I just generally appreciate people. Mm. Like I always say this, like I just don't like being on my own, mm. right? I'm just not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hyper extrovert that's how I get fired up and powered up mm. um, I still need my alone time like everyone else but for me there's nothing more exciting than someone new do you know what I mean mm. to chat to to understand her uh, we said I was saying this last year I am I love the like unpicking people how they think um, because inevitably you're, you're not going to meet people that think like you look like you sound like you act like you and I think appreciating that and, and celebrating that is just it's a much healthier way to live than saying right you're not like me fuck off will you yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's, it's just so just try to keep a positive mindset um, when when was asked this question like I said it was it was it was amazing to sort of go through those memory banks and think wow 10 years has gone by how much has changed and I was surprised at how much so much has not really changed <laughs> For me personally, but it was all in a really good, in, um, in positive ways. I think my constants have stayed, my constants. And like, I'm, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about the people that you have in your lives, the people that you choose to do projects with, the people that you choose to hang out with and see you journey to sort of spend a bit of time with. And a lot of those guys, and I'm so grateful for this. And like, this is one thing I've noticed throughout my life. Like, my support network has always been very loyal very solid and like yeah look at the moments of my life where my friends from my closest friends from Withensee my closest friends from college my closest friends from Newcastle uni time and then now everyone sort of comes in pairs and they're all still there and it's like 
other than like my sisters and my mum and everybody, it's the driving force that has allowed me to sort of get to this building, the people that have helped me get here and helped me stay here and advised me and taught me things, they're ever present. They're, they're in my life so much more than they were before. Yeah. And it's all on positive things. Even the negative things are positive things. Yeah, it's constructive, right? Yeah. Because I remember, what, 2010? I was a, I was just finished my placement year, went back to uni, was about to be my final year. And it was absolutely class because I fell in love with radio again. Music changed. Childish Gambino had released. <laughs> yeah. Child, it, Childish Gambino had just put out Cold de Sack. And obviously, I think the Adele remix of, uh, you know, Rolling in the Deep. And I was like, shit, this guy, did it really? He took it to new levels. And there was a moment where we started radio, we started doing um, podcasting and student radio again at, new, at Northumbria and with uh, Newcastle Student Radio. Um, things changed musically. And I think changed a lot for me in terms of how... I saw myself as a individual in the media landscape. They f it felt like there was more room for nerdy black kids in media that weren't just, and that weren't sort of having to talk about guns and gangs, the, lives that I, the life that I didn't really know. Mm. Anime was amazing. Like I said, music was great. My dissertation was class. My instructor was like, you know, I was looking at comic books as social literature, looking at the role of heroes. Um, through comics and he he loved it he was buzzing he was always on my case I want to know more I want to know more and it was interesting it was finally it was finally amazing to have some more academics sort of rooting for you and generally interested in what you've got to say like my media teachers my journalism teachers had my back the whole time and they were like they were such a driving force behind me sort of throwing myself throwing myself into new ventures and thinking oh maybe i should apply to go and do a placement here maybe i am a decent writer they want to see my short film scripts so we really mm, say try mm. this do this and the encouragement was there and it, it was quite i didn't know who to trust because a lot of the time when i was getting help from uh when people were liking the stuff that i was doing or thinking that i did have a skill or a talent here it was coming from family and friends and you think well it's family and friends isn't it but knowing my family and friends if they thought someone was shit they'd take it shit <laughs> and in the past when i have done well at school teachers have questioned it do you know what i mean yeah. is it my work where you get this from and all this sort of stuff which is it's always been a bit disheartening but i had this sort of streak of four years where it was weird to be acknowledged yeah and it was being I don't know, it, it still feels a little bit no, unsettling I can, I, can, so. I can definitely relate to that on two fronts. I think one, uh, I've been, the last 10 years, I look at my time at college, my time at university, my time in my early career. I've been so lucky to be surrounded by like such willing, you know, mentors and tutors and guides and, mm. you know, people that have, once again, I'm not here of my own. It's not me that got me here. Yes, it's me that drove me, you know, that dr dr drove a lot of it, but there's so many people and I think that's why coming back to like the question are you hopeful hmm. I am hopeful because it's like this paradox you know if you spend all your time looking at this big picture you're gonna find the big baddies right hmm. whereas I think but the actual my lived experience is very different to that narrative you know to those narratives and yeah you can say like I'm highly I'm, I'm well educated I'm in uh, I work for a technology company so like we're probably going to be more liberal and whatever else, unless you're Facebook. Um, <laughs> um, but in my world, I am hopeful mm. because I see, I, I see people come together. I see communities support each other. I see, um, you know, whether it's through the work I, uh, I did over this year uh, with an allotment and a community group, 
but I'm still in touch with uh, the woman that kind of led on that mm. and we meet up every so often and you know she's always got stories brilliant brilliant stories of how kind of on a very small scale you know these micro communities are helping each other out um, you know even if it's something like oh you know and I and I'm hopeful because I just I want to believe people are good you know I want to believe that people are, are more inclined to be positive and, and, and happy because otherwise I'm just going to walk around everywhere I go just in a in a kind of fog and mm-hmm. a haze of, of kind of like oh. I, I think also though that Humanity. it is and I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself like to be clear to the listeners in a big picture sense I am not more hopeful mm-hmm. in a big picture sense I'm frightened I'm frightened at what life is going to look like for the next five years and not for me again like Nate Mean you've spoken about it you know We've got, there's multiple degrees sitting around this table and we all work in relatively solid industries. I, as an individual, am going to be fine. Also, I'm six foot five. I'm a guy. I don't fear walking down the streets. Just on that kind of animalistic Mm, level. But mm. we are (laughs) living, I'm just going to say it. Like, I'm worried for anybody that isn't a white man of means. And, and and I think that of means is the really important bit because mm. I mean you know I'm not worried for the Bullingdon Club, you know what I mean I'm not worried for your your David Camerons and your, your, your current prime ministers, but people that aren't at that level because the thing is is whilst I don't need a lot of money to survive you do need a certain amount of capital to mm. survive to make sure you've got a roof over your head, um, and I do sometimes worry that as a society where like the proverbial frogs in the boiling point, we mm. don't realise that the heat's being turned up, that things haven't always been the way that they are. We are accepting of a lot of things, I think, in twenty nineteen that we wouldn't have been accepting of in nineteen ninety nine. I remember, I'm sure I'm sure you guys do as well, that um when Stephen Lawrence happened, you had the Daily Mail, probably the most far right uh, newspaper in the country talking about it being an outrage mm-hmm. um, we didn't kind of have to worry about well what is the political affiliations of the murderers because if they're conservatives there might be a, a slant that's found that kind of tries to humanise it maybe Stephen Lawrence said something no it was there was this universal mm. condemnation and that's kind of gone and that's what worries me and just the language around race, colour and creed is is ugly the 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 I've got friends that are working in schools and they like over the last two years they've dealt with more um, uh, Islamophobic attacks in the last two years than they have done in their previous c- careers combined. You've got kind of far right characters um, in this country who are bad faith actors. Stephen Yaxley Lennon, also known as Tommy Robinson, uh, Katie Hopkins, who are enthusiastically mm. supporting the government of the day and. If if you know if if your politics are aligning with those and you're the government of the day, then I am worried. Mm. Um, Britain first are urging their members to join the Conservative mm. Party. Never ever ever forget that the man that murdered Joe Cox, an M- a sitting MP in Batley and Spen, when he was caught, was screaming Britain first, mm. and and that is not normal. So on a big picture sense, I just want to be really clear. Cause yeah. I, I I don't want to sit, to be accused of being like these guys are pie in the sky, hopeful. They live in their own little bubbles. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, we see it. I see it. But that stuff's going to exist. If I can, if we can get a kind of lots and lots of people improving the world around them, yeah. enough people do that, then the big picture slowly changes. Well, that sort of thing. And it, one of the things I wrote down it was like. 
without without sounding pie in the sky hopeful and stuff, but I know that I'm a naturally optimistic person. I think I'm and looking like when I started looking back over the past ten years, I was thinking, look, there's certain stuff that has happened where, if it wasn't for this up, upbringing that I've had, where understanding the bad things are going to happen, but think about how do you react to that? How do you mm. not necessarily control it, but how do you learn from it? How do you move on from it without letting it consume you? That sort of thinking, I sort of apply to where I see the world, where I see myself, where I see the people around us. And it's like, look, I look at what's happening to, and I looked at, looked at it through the lens of what's happened to black people. Um, we've got more of us talking about things that black people were seen as weird or different to be looking at, or, you know, it's white stuff, do you know what I mean? It's, it's normal. I'm like, rappers are talking about being emo, anime, do you know what I mean? All this sort of stuff, which 10 years ago, only the certain few would talk about that and they were classed as a bit, being a bit strange. Um, look at what's happening with natural hair, art, creativity. You know, we're all over the place. I mean, so many different forms. Our, our identity has become what we want it to be. And I think there's more ownership collectively, but we're not a monolith or some mm. homogenous group, you know, so to speak. We are who we are and we sort of put our own stamp on that. And that's key, by the way. And I think it is, yeah. you know, I think, yeah. you know, not and, being homogenous. Exactly. Yeah, really good point. And I think that the fact that we have that now and it's happening so much, you you can't take that away from us because if you know who you are and what you stand for, mm. the way you compose yourself, the way that the conversations you will have with other people, you'll start changing things. Like you said, if you start changing yourself and the things around you, the bigger picture changes. And it's like, despite how everything has happened politically, you know, here, there and everywhere, I see how people are taking what is going on around them lying down. You know, some good can come from this current situation. Mm. If that's through music, um, if that's through... And I'm putting a lot of my faith and hope in the arts because that's the way you connect with a lot of people, especially with a lot of people that are disenfranchised, disinterested, aren't bothered. I think that a lot of it will come from these individuals. But look at the, look at the Stormzy effect, you know what I mean? Mm. Some people might have even thought What about, is the Stormzy effect? Pardon? What is the effect? I think the amount of people that have seem to be applying for the vote spike university, yeah. universities and the people that are interested in voting. It's people looking at Stormzy, I'm using him as an example, as a figurehead in achieving what is a repulsive. It doesn't necessarily have to be with music. He's encouraging people to write books, be authors, be novels, you know. He's just set up a to film a, company as well. Yeah, and like he's in, encouraging people to apply to places like mm. Oxford, Cambridge, you know, uh, Durham, the big universities. Um, Reggie Yates himself as well. Mm. He's got his own production company now. He's mentoring several different types of people, telling people to say, look, not just come at me with your art. If you want to be behind the scenes, get involved in production, let me know. The only reason I wasn't, I completely agree with everything, like, I completely agree with everything you were saying, full stop, new sentence. My concern is that th this country seems to be very much split and, and in ways that it has, you know, for hundreds of years under different guises between the towns and the cities mm. or the, you know, the, the, the rural and the urban. Mm. And, you know, you look at what Stormzy was saying, you had Grime for Corbyn again, you had pretty much every uh, person in the arts kind of saying, you know, we cannot have another uh, conservative-led government but then you look at the map of Britain and there's a lot more rural areas. So I don't I don't know, but I would be really interested to see how Withensee voted in mm. the election. And that, obviously I say that because that's where, yeah, yeah. where you're from. Um, uh, you know, my family, a lot of my family live in Canterbury, but Canterbury is Labour for the second time in the last hundred years. Mm. So it's a traditionally conservative area. And I think the reason that it switched was because it got three higher education institutions. You had this influx of young students mm. who t tend to be more liberal. My, 
I am hopeful. My worry is that whilst there is this kind of high levels of inequality mm. in your kind of little towns and little villages who all have the vote as they, as mm. they should, that there aren't going to be the changes. Like even down to something as small as like we've all got phones and we're on the internet and the internet service is good. You know, it's, it's it's completely fine. I can watch a film on here with no lag. Mm. And there are large parts of the country that don't have kind of a good internet service. There are large parts of the country where you've got to travel 30, 40 miles to get to a host, to get to an A and E. And I can understand why those people, you know, they don't they don't really care what that artist that sang that song at Glastonbury thought thinks about. They're not plugged. They kind of they do have traditional news sources, mm. news sources, and if the traditional news sources are saying a certain thing, they, that's the the kind of line. And I'm not. And I, I'm aware that I almost sound kind of patronising. I'm not meaning to sound patronising. It's just I've been to so many little towns mm. and villages over the last ten years. I remember going. I remember going to a little town. I'm not going to say where it was. And I, we, we, we were driving uh, back to a place and we kind of t- decided to take the scenic route. And we stopped in this pub and, and it was like a film because literally everything in the pub stopped and everybody looked mm. at me. And, and then, but then they were really, to be, fair, to be clear, they were really, really nice. They mm. were really nice afterwards. Um, and they kind of were, no, no, they were, <laughs> stop it, stop it. They were super, they were super helpful, super nice. But that reaction was because I just genuinely don't think outside of like Lenny Henry in 1986 and Comic Relief, they've mm. really seen too many giant black guys. Mm. Um, and it wasn't, I don't think it was, it was racist. It was literally, oh, Wonder. in the mid 2010s, <laughs> in the mid 2010s, there are still places in this country that really haven't seen a mm. lot of diversity. Um, so I completely agree with what you're saying, but I think there needs to be an understanding that until we stop talking about us and them, and we, as I said, it's you know people that are on the left are doing it on Twitter mm. now where they're gloating, oh, I told you, we told you that the NHS was going to... Yeah, that's fine, but it's not helping anybody. Again, maybe I am too optimistic, but I have seen the changes. I look at sort of where this city has happened and the little villages between here and Withensee. And I would like to see the voting results, but there's just in terms of what is happening with a lot of the younger people, there are people my age, younger, and at school now. The type of stuff that they're saying, the type of stuff that they're working towards, the amount of people that are actually doing things like going to university. There wasn't that many people from my age that went to uni, but now look at the changes in the schools, the colleges, the, the attitudes, even down to the uniform. It seems to be shifting. Mm-hmm. And when I've gone to speak to at these schools and look at what people are doing, what people are saying, the things that they want, it's a completely different mindset to what the kids were saying five years ago, to what the kids were saying 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it's, it, I personally think that's interesting because maybe from what I knew of these areas, from what I knew of some people, the attitudes of some of the kids, the families out there, the the prospects, and I, I want to use the word, and I said the hope for these younger kids, individual, it's there. It sort of wasn't before. I always that's look forward to what's happening with the kind of most oppressed in our society and if you look at what this incoming government is doing with the traveler community for mm. example and looking to criminalize and um seize their kind of transport and the thing is is it's always been open season on the traveler community yeah. like i don't think if if a, a a an event where so when Stephen lawrence was murdered there was you, you get the mcpherson report you've got all the press going this is terrible I don't think if a similar thing happened to somebody in the traveller community that there'd be the same reaction, yeah, sadly. If they were a different colour, but if they were difficult, it would have been that you can call it a hate crime. You could it would be a mm. it would be a race it would be racism. Like we've done a lot of work with the travelling communities mm. and like 
without getting into too much stuff, some of the conversations and some of the things that they've said. And like, I had one guy when he was talking to us, like very heartfelt conversation. But I said, look, we can't change how people see us, but like, we're just like you. And he grabbed my arm. He's like, we're like you, it's in our blood. Do you know what I mean? But people don't see that just because mm. we don't, just because when we don't look like you, people don't treat us the the, di- yeah. the the horrors and stuff that happened to us. People don't treat us the same. Mm. And I was like, I, that, I'll never forget that. I remember, I remember going home and talking to my sister and mum about it. And they were like, look, you know, we've got close friends, family friends who my parents, who helped my mum and dad out massively when they moved to Wintersea, mm. who are part of that community. Yeah. And like every time I see them, we have a chat. If I was talking to, talking to the head of that family the other day, and you know, I'll happily give half an hour, an hour to chat to him at his stall and stuff like that. And it's just, it's incredible because you think just because we don't look like, but our experiences are, they're they're entwined, they're linked so much, but a lot of people at face value would see as completely different. And I don't think the media, obviously like you said, the media, things like my big fat, and I hate using the term, I don't like using the term gypsy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like some people, people use it, you know, so freely, I hate it. I can't stand it. I hate it. And then when people say, oh, what do you mean? It's look, Say traveller, at least. Oh, I know their family. So, how do you know? Oh, the, because it's on TV, it's fine. Well, they used to use the N word on TV all the time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Say it around. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I wish you would. I'm uh, vegan, but I will be delivering a two piece. So, like, <laughs> but no, I think, Kofi, I think your, um, your first point's about the art and stuff. I think that's why I'm more hopeful as well. Hmm. I think this year, seeing Stormzy like, perform at Glastonbury. And I'm I'm a big fan of his music mm. anyway, um, but I think if m- me ten years ago saw that, that would have been so profound even back then mm. because I didn't like yeah grime has kind of boomed early like '09 onwards, um, so there's been like a development of like a UK music scene. The UK hip hop scene, even though they all sound the same, is is vibrant and thriving. Um, there's much more kind of you know the spectrum is much broader that you know kind of not just black people but i think the younger people uh we've got access to more resources technology it's easier for us to create the art we want and i think that's what makes me hopeful as well because i think what is art you know art is that reflection of of, of society it's a commentary in it right mm. whether it's comedy whether it's um photography videography music podcasting whatever you want to do it's a reflection of society and i think the more let the more mirrors we hold up and the more the more diverse the mirrors we have you know being held up i think we can make a better a better judgment and i think that's assuming that people want things to change so here's a case this is a great way to go go into the next bit so do you think we are better off as a society so do you think we are as a society in a better place racially now than we were in 2010 no it's saying that I think there's so many factors here. Yeah. The way we share information, how people access yeah, information, yeah. the speed at which you can get it, and what information is shared. I think it's this. This one. This is such a hard question because I mean, like, on the on the micro scale, on my own scale of existence, mm. I would say yes. I've not been racially abused in years. Oh. Um, a couple of years, I think. Oh. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, well done. <laughs> you see it's over um, <laughs> we are a post-racial society um, but I think and like in my communities and you know once again I'm, I know I'm spoiled and, and biased in this sense but I, I work with a fantastic bunch of, of, of people from all over Europe all over the world um, you know I've got friends from all over the world of different cultures creeds um, so I think like if I was answering it from my own perspective yeah 
but then I think you look at the the wider picture, um, and if what Obama got in in eight, was it oh eight? Yeah, yeah. And that was like not regardless of his presidency and whatever. The narrative was what hope, right? Mm. It was that was it was all about change and positivity. And I think actually, there's been a bit of a recession um, in that narrative. Like now, look at even with the nine years of the Tory government and austerity. Mm. Um, it's it's been a change away from kind of oh we we can we can be proactive and change and hopeful mm. and they said no we have to stop these things we have to cut these things we have to we have to protect these things um, mm. and I think that when the whole nar- narrative like in the media and um, not just politics but generally you know you look at sport and and kind of the racism in sport which continues it's not any more it's just there's more people. Mm having a camera at the games right and there's more people uploading it to twitter and social media i think i'm not i don't think we're any better off because if you look at the sanctions and the punishments and the way we the these institutions still respond to racism mm. it's i'm not hopeful in that sense well that's one thing i wrote down i was like the positive <laughs> positive side i'm doing air quotes here the positive <laughs> so so no, the positive side to racism in the uk is that the racism that we any person of color the sexism that any uh woman uh, experiences is that it's it's more it's it's known so much more now it's not that much on the surface because when i used to tell people so look England's a very racist place. I'm like, oh no, it's not, man. Come on, I'm like, you're here, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh. like, oh my god, you don't understand. Like, it's and it was that subtlety, that subtleness. Yeah. And I remember my parents and especially my mum talking to me about this sort of stuff. And as a kid, I was like, what are you talking about? And then when you realise, like, you know, the devil you don't know is so much more lethal than the one uh, than the one that you do. It's you know, you can be putting your trust, your hopes, your fears, your future into the hands of someone who doesn't want any benefits for you. And now that it's people are empowered by looking at our current prime minister who can come out with the letterbox and the piccaninis and watermelon like comment, can come out and say that sort of stuff, be elected, it, it just sets the precedent. I'm like, look, people are seeing this now, yet they might not want to acknowledge it, might want to believe it, but at least it's getting out there a little bit more known. And it's, it's, these things have to come out so they can chip at people sort of ignorance and sort of lack of interest i think yeah that's 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 why i'm a little less hopeful okay because you know there's there's the narratives empower people i mean i've just thought of it now but did any of us know who nigel farage was in 2010 i i, I don't think i did no do you know what i mean and i wish i still wish i didn't know who he was you know what I mean? <laughs> um but you know these type of characters that just seem to appear. That's a great uh, term. You know I mean? Character. You feel like it's sort of like yeah. of a comic book, yeah, out of yeah. a TV show, Super parody. Villain. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's just like that's what it is. It's caricature. Um, like yeah, he's come out and he's doing all this stuff and saying all this stuff. Even like with Brexit as well. Like you've got these characters that pop up and and they're actually they're I think what is it the BBC? How many times they put Nigel Farage on Question Time? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I get it, he's a political leader, if you can call him that, um, and all these things. But just, I'm less hopeful in the sense of we're giving so much airtime to these people. And I know, and maybe it's an extreme view of mine, but like, just, we don't, do we have to listen to them? Mm. Do we have to give them a platform? Is there not anyone else we can give platforms to to discuss but these they issues? Know, they know, it's clicks, isn't it? You they know, know well, it I gets mean, people yeah, talking. It gets people share. riled up. It's, it's divisive. It's clicks, It's man. racist. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's going to come and say some stuff about the 
the you know he's gonna disenfranchise people. Generally, things haven't changed personally since no. 2010. Thinking about, it, I don't think I, I think we've just become more vocal. We're communicating a little bit better about things. So in a sense, yes, but. I don't think the rhetoric of anything changed. Black and brown people, we still police heavily. Um, the people that have the yeah, look at Windrush with the people that have the power to change things are still pretty much ignoring us. I kind of feel things are the same, but I feel that amongst ourselves and like amongst our communities, I feel like we're the positive side to this. We're in a better space with our identity, ownership over who we are, and that can lead us to make more changes and make more noise and try to make things better when there is a form of injustice. That's just the way I'm seeing things right now. I'm like, with everything coming to the surface a little bit more, <sighs> comments like, you know, the Prime Minister's and what people seem to be openly wanting to say on Facebook, Twitter, on personal accounts where friends, family, employees can see, <sighs> I feel like that is only a, that is only a positive. And it, like I said, it goes down to knowing who you can and can't trust. Because before I was paranoid a lot about, oh, can I say this at work? Or if I want to speak out about something which I feel is quite ignorant, racist, if I take it to this manager or this person, you know, is it going to be dealt with properly? Am I going to be am I going to be treated properly? Are they actually going to want to carry it through? Or is it going to be seen as an inconvenience, as a nuisance? But that's just me. I, I generally don't think things have changed racially. I just think we're talking about it and communicating a little bit better amongst each other and amongst people that aren't necessarily going through that stuff. There seems to be more allies popping up, how genuine I think they are, I don't know, but people seem to be want to be part of this conversation and curious as to wanting to try and help and make things a little bit better. Some people. If you look em empirically, and I, I always kind of go to university because that's kind of where I've spent a lot of time recently, and you look at outcomes for what is now labelled the BAME community, because we're all one rainbow nation of other people. Bears, yeah. um, outcomes have got worse. Outcomes at university are they extend the inequality. So, if uh, um, it's it gets worse at university than it is at, at school. So, I just look at that as one measure to go. That's why I think it's getting it's getting worse because I th and I think the reason for, I think it's very nuanced, but I think there is something to be said for what happens when you get. Uh, when you become aware of things and you start kind of speaking truth to power and I think what's happened in this decade is there have been a lot of people of colour a lot of people from the working class um, and both you know they can intersect obviously um, and they do in this country a lot um, have stood up and spoken truth to power and I think that there I, f I feel that there was a belief that if you stand up and actually kind of show people something and they realise that it's wrong then change will happen and I think that what this decade has shown, that there have been so many instances where people have gone, this is really wrong, here is the empirical evidence for it. And I feel that in those moments, in those key moments, the kind of people who have the ability to make change, people who have the leaves of power have gone, I am not going to make change if it puts me personally mm. out of pocket. So you can look at a lot of the race equality stuff. It always makes me laugh. It always makes me laugh that on diversity boards, it's almost always white people. But what they'll go is, no, we're diverse because half of us are women. <laughs> and, and, and again, like, don't get me wrong, there has been, you know, we, this to be humanist to have lived under the effects of misogyny and patriarchy. But when we're talking about race in particular, I think there is absolutely something to be said for. There have been a lot of incidents where something big has happened 
and people have basically gone, I'm okay with it. You can look at the treatment of Raheem Sterling before and into the World Cup, and there's that great um, Twitter thread where it shows all the things that he's done wrong, you know, where he's, you know, he's bought his mum a sink or, you know, that time that he kind of uh, went out to a nightclub. He had breakfast. He had the once. cheek to fly on a budget airline. And all, and you go, this is clearly wrong. And it's like, well, but he hasn't played well in the World Cup. It's like, one of these things is not like the other. You know, um, you have the Windrush uh, scandal and yet you go, well, hold on a second. Nobody's faced any sanction for that. The, Theresa May was the Prime Minister, Amber Rudd got sacked but came back, mm. the government that implemented it is still in power, and so, and so it's one this of those where we... This isn't even their we, final form. Either. Yeah, yeah, literally, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I must point out that Kofi is wearing a Vegeta t-shirt, um, but, and, and then even if you look at something like Zach Goldsmith, Zach Goldsmith ran one of the most racist campaigns I've ever seen to become the mayor of London, which he failed. He's lost his seat twice, and yet he's still going to be in the cabinet because he's been elected to um, the House of Lords and will serve as a member of the cabinet. And so it's like, we can point out these these concrete things where something has happened hmm. and no change is made. And I was having a conversation last night where I said, the biggest difference between now and any other time that we seem to have been alive is the there used to be a thing where if you got shamed... That was the end of your career. Hmm. I remember in the mid nineties, mid late nineties, there were a number of MPs that had to leave in disgrace. They were caught on Wimbledon Common doing things they shouldn't be yeah, doing, yeah. or you know, they kind of com- caught committing adultery or stuff. Whereas now, like you need that the, to get into a party. Well, well, the current the current prime minister kind of made all these disparaging comments about single mothers. That MFR has created more single mothers <laughs> than anybody I know. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's ever been fired for lying. He's been fired for lying twice, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so it's really obvious now. He is kind of, we've put the dog whistle away. We've got the bullhorn out. Yeah. And as a country, we go, good is good good if it's good for me. Hmm. And that's why I kind of have to go back to the community and go back, keeping my focus small, because I want to make the world that I live in Hmm. as good as I can for the people um, around it. To the privilege, equality feels like a step down. Yeah. What was, uh, just, who who, who was it that said that? What I have said. Uh, oh. In a previous podcast, oh, get it to those um, to those that have benefited from inequality mm. and moved to equality feels like inequality. But then this is the thing: like, where does this stand for the people that do not have this sort of financial privilege or um, I don't know social mobility privilege? Yet they sort of siding with the people that are using their privilege over them. This is the confusion I'm getting. Do well, you know, does that make sense? No, hundred percent. And I think. That's where I think you touched on it, Angelo, earlier. Is like, this is such a difficult conversation to have with anyone who thinks differently to you, uh, because inevitably, like, you you're not gonna come across as patronising. But if I'm like, no, no, what you think is wrong, hmm. um, and you need to, like not need to think like this, but here is fact A, have B, you and C, and have you thought about this, and have you seen this, and it's like. Once again, going back to like kind of this idea of like disinformation, trust. Like, do people trust? We had this conversation again last mm-hmm. night. Like, you know, people don't trust these institutions, yet they're more than happy to trust the Facebook page mm-hmm. or the Russian bot tweets. They don't even click uh, on the article. You know, I mean, they'll see they the just see the headline. Oh, that's it. That's it. Jeez. Yep. He said that. Oh, but you know, you know, or they'll come to the defense of someone, which I think that's what I find so frustrating mm-hmm. is. I'm not saying I know these politicians any better than anyone else, hmm. but just looking at their actions rather than their words, 
you can you can make you know you make your mind up about an individual and just like it's just so hard to convince someone that if they're if every other outlet in their life is telling them something mm. and you're telling them something else how do you approach that situation uh, and what's the point are you trying to convince them and change their worldview mm. i don't think i'm I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a good, you know, good, I can talk some shit, but yeah. I'm not sure. I just, yeah, I just, I don't know to what end. So, like, how can we, how can you, how can you change that? Are people seeing past, like, you know, forcing them to see them, see past the individual and just focusing on what the p- potential outcome that person can bring or that party mm. can bring? Like, what Angelo was saying is that, you know, you look at everything that politicians, some politicians have done, but still seem to be you're doing their thing and it's like well yeah they might have done that but think about what they stand for think about what, what, they're, what they're going to bring me in mind and it's just like hang on a second how can you how can you actually make the two mutually exclusive it, it, I think the degrees of separation in who's bringing you power, who's bringing you change and who can influence as to the actual influence and change that can, they can bring they've been they're too separate I think we need to start bringing these things together again and it's just how do we do that? And I'm someone who works in the media. And it's just there's no there's no pattern, there's no recipe, there's no potion in able to sort of get the right sort of information into people onto people's feeds or getting on the feeds, but getting them to click and take notice. And so, but again, we're talking much. about online. We're talking about, we're talking about online. There. Yeah, it's yeah. about getting it offline. And let me tell you a super quick story. I'm kind of looking at the clock behind me. We're out of time. Um, working at a school, year eleven. And these kids, before the election, these kids said to me, are you a Corbynista? I said, I don't know what that means. And they're like, are you, are you a big Corbyn? Sounds like a fucking burrito. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, you, are you a big Corbyn lad? I was like, uh, I don't really know what you mean. And they said, and I said, well, who, if you could vote, who would you vote for? And they said, and it was two, two lads. And they said, oh, I'd, I'd vote for Boris Johnson. And I said, why? And they said, oh, because he's a lad. I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know what I mean? He's a lad. I was like, but that, that, you repeating it doesn't tell me what <laughs> it means. I'm sure he's male, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so they got their heads together and they went, well, he's got swag. And I said, again, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? And we went back and forward and, there were, and, and I kind of said, I just gave a list of things that he's said, things that he's done. And they were like, yeah, but he's still got swag. And I said, is it because that he... Um, that you feel that you can get away with saying the things that he gets away with saying, and they were like, uh, yes. like "No," but I could see the yes. girls. I could see the, the the girls that were sitting behind him, and it was it was a really interesting conversation. But that whole idea of he is an avatar for mm. um, people that feel that they're going to lose something in the move to inequality. Mm. The people that would say, do you know what, I'm really tired of like this political correctness gone mad. And I've had this conversation about two or three times where people go, you know, I'm just sick and tired of social justice warriors. And you can't, I feel like I can't say, even say anything anymore. And I, and I always say, my stock line is, what is it that you want to say that you feel that you can't say? Mm. And every single time they've gone, well, you've got me there. I'm not trying to get you. <laughs> I'm genuinely interested. What is it that you feel that you want to say that the current world that we live in means that you can't say? What is it that is so... And, and it's this idea... And so we live in a feelings-based economy. Hmm. And and there are a lot of people that go, flipping as you said, if we move to equality, that means I have to give up some of my pie. Hmm. But it's, it should, it's not like that. It's not like, okay, so for example of this, when we had 2017, it was like, oh... Um, the argument was if we give more money to the North to experiment with arts and culture and youth clubs and all this sort of stuff, then the South suffers. It's, that's not the case. Yeah. We're not taking from one pot to give to another. Yeah. We're just going to see what, see what we've got and spread it out a little bit more. And I think anything on that scale, when we're talking about, you know, um, 
equality of in, like say me and you get into a situation mm-hmm. and you know um for one reason say i live with a disability and they choose you over that that's very easy to kind of like articulate right mm-hmm. and to say right no this person lost out because of their disability uh, living with a disability or because of their color of their skin you know gender whatever mm. these reasons that's really easy to kind of be right and wrong about mm. whereas i think when you go to a regional or a national scale like it's far more complex mm. and i think we once again got into it last night and said well if investing in different more diverse voices and a, a wider spectrum of, of individuals you're going to get a wider spectrum of mm. outputs and i think that's what's threatening that maybe you know the status quo it's not maybe about them protecting just themselves but it's like we have we all do have a inherent position within society right like that we fit into whether it's uh, and we can we can you know move upwards mm. with that social mobility through education mm. through you know the whole a whole heap of stuff um but i think for a lot of people they just they can't comprehend the scale of it and mm. the fact that actually no we can all get ours mm. at that level it's not about the the individual justices and where an individual is being wronged but on on that kind of national larger mm. scale we can all thrive i don't think that's i don't think that's a ridiculous position no. to adopt you know so so we've established um that things are shit I think things actually, are so it's, good, it's but things are good as well. No, I think it's the inverse. No. I think we're saying things are good because of, it all depends on where you're putting your focus. And mm. we have all three of us said we're keeping our focus local uh, with an understanding that we're not being naive to what's happening in the world, but because we're focusing on what we can control, mm. that what we can control looks pretty positive. But on the bigger picture, it doesn't look so good. But I think it's the bigger picture is just so big. Like, you will always be able to find something negative. Mm. You'll always be able to find something that, you know... I could go on Twitter right now and probably find something in my trending topics that's going to piss me off. Do you know what I mean? So, I think, and this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's it's the it's the echo chamber. It's the the bottomless abyss. So, what we're we doing to push forward and to support not only each other but just to keep these good vibes going, or to try and keep as much and spread as much positivity out there, just to encourage. Two, you know? two things for me, really quick. Uh, consuming locally mm. so I like the fact that after this we'll probably go, we're going to go to a locally owned mm. place to kind of break bread and also I've got I've got a project that I don't want to say too much about but it's looking to work with people whose stories aren't um, necessarily told but giving them the power to tell the story they want to with a platform that I will be able to kind of provide cool uh, so that's my two things yeah I think similar again to to Angelo um it's rare we agree so much. I know. Um, yeah, just be be aware of the big picture, but put the magnifying glass on the small one, you know, control and influence what I can. Both, I think that's one thing I'm learning is my consume, like my my uh, mm. buying power, you know, where I spend my money. That's actually really important. Mm. You know, sometimes it is far too easy just to click online and get the book online, mm. uh, you know, to get, get it over the internet, mm. Amazon to, you know, to work out to the door. Um, but actually going out and, and spending my money with local independents and mm. supporting artists. Um, just do the little things like, you know, sharing more s- stuff on social media and, and just, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world by, you know, sharing everyone's, you know, episode previews and latest bits of art. But I think just do my bit to, to be more proactive in promoting the things I enjoy and from people that I think, you know, deserve, deserve that attention. Um, a big thing is just, you've kind of touched on it um 
we touched on it then about this idea of like if equality means taking away from some mm. people and maybe not empowering just you know raising the bar for the others one thing um i've been doing kind of informally for about 18 months is i i consult with black entrepreneurs for free so i'll give them my time to talk through the business ideas mm. and do whatever and mm. i'm I, and i just do that with white people female people everyone as well but i've got a particular focus you know w- one of my friends is and one of my work colleagues is trying to set up a business uh, all around black hair products um and i was like hey I'm I'm in to help, you know, and not that I have any hair. <laughs> Angelo, look at all smug as fuck over there. What? <laughs> he always shot me for that. <laughs> Kofi <laughs> was laughing too. No, no he was, was about the hair products. Yeah, because obviously Kofi's probably, you know, he's he's felt the struggles. Yeah, finding good products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, just like you know, helping out, saying you know, doing what I can there, um, and just paying it forward more mm. than anything. I think is the big thing. Like I am in a really fortunate position. Um, and just continue to, to, yeah, just to pay it forward. Um, you guys have some, said some of the stuff I have on my. I had a, this. I think I wrote, wrote more for this than anything else. I think this is this for me. I think it's so important because knowing the work that we've been doing at where BBC No Filter, shameless plug. I'm sorry. It's like we've had some really good responses from the mm. higher ups and um, people who have been coming back, new people that wanted to get involved in the project because they've seen some of the different stuff we put out there but it's like keep working on projects like this and talking about black guys in a box support each other support other projects collaborations like angelo was saying give spaces to people everyone's got a voice but we've got to give them a platform to be here to reach other audiences sharing audiences we've got to keep communicating and this is one thing i really think we need to keep on doing because i think this is what we're doing i see this happening so much um with other creatives uh who i seem to be either working with or friends with we keep defying the expectations keep getting into trouble keep beating the statistics and being honest we need to keep an open mind and an open heart and with everything we do we need we need to move with empathy and that's why i want to end it there cool personally that's no i think once again yep yep and i love that bit about you know i think one of the first um the first article i wrote for the the podcast was about changing people's perceptions of mm. what they see as black, right? And uh, that this northern road cycling, anime watching, mm. tech working, you know, Phil Mitchellin, you know, <laughs> Ian Beale, Ian Beale, January <laughs> Jesus, the hangover's <laughs> pending. Um, Don't want to fight Nate. I've got nothing <laughs> left. I've got nothing left. Um, you know, is that it? Just continuing to to yeah, shine a light on that broad spectrum of what blackness is i think you nailed it again earlier with this idea we're not a monolith Mm. we are a broad spectrum of individuals and blackness whatever that means is only one aspect of a lot of our identities um not the defining aspect um so just continuing to yeah share my story share others i think a big thing for the for the 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 podcast is let's get some more voices on it i think we're all kind of We've got some lined we're up. We're all, we've got, yeah, we're already scheming on plotting on. Dom's got some so. good shit lined up for January. Yeah, um, we've got some stuff lined up for February and March as well, yeah. uh, which should be. Stay tuned, guys. Twenty twenty is going to be a big year for this group, for this collective, and for you as well. I hope, regardless of whatever you're working on, get in touch with us if you want to be, uh, if you want to be affiliated with the group, if you want to come and share your story. We've got some topics things you want to talk about. Hit us up, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter anything anywhere individually or as a group let us know we want to hear from you i'm sure we can make it work um 
I think this would be this would be an interesting. Like it was, it was, it, it's it's different take. I know we've had different variations of um, people and voices in the group on the podcast, but I'm curious to see what Don and Dan come out with. I know they, mm. I think mm. they're going to have some guests on there. So yeah, definitely yeah. make sure you check theirs out. And um, yeah, obviously give us a like, give us a subscribe, share. As I said, I keep reiterating this. We want this engagement with people that are listening. We want to know what you're, what you've been thinking about. What were you like ten years ago? Do you think uh, that we are in a better place racially than we were at the beginning of the decade what are your hopes uh, visions dreams what do you want to work on and where do you want it where do you see yourself in 2030 oh where do you see yourself in 2030 because <laughs> this is the decade where some of us will get married some of us might have children some of us might buy a house some of us might leave jobs study with you. this is a lot of things can potentially happen with ourselves and people we know do you know what i mean this might become a late night talk show in the states do you know you know who knows what's gonna happen you know what i mean james corden move over do you know what i mean it is the potential is huge and that's what i'm excited about because no matter what happens no matter the negativity or the way that the bigger picture looks no matter how dark that day is people are shining people are shining as bright as they can people are making things work and you know if you are shining out there please get in touch with us um yeah so i think we can we can call it a day there is there anything else that you guys want to add have a good new year Keep yeah fighting a good fight have a Merry Christmas, enjoy the holidays and, you know, start the new year right. Well, oh, start it like Phil Mitchell and Lee <laughs> Start um, it in the right way, in, in the way that you consider right. But now just, uh, yeah, just once again, happy happy new year, Merry Christmas and, uh, yeah, 2020, we continue. If you want to send us any questions, we are Wakandan, so, uh, Wakandan Social Club at gmail.com. We are at Black Guys in a Box on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And uh, yeah, check it out. Or make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, we're everywhere. We're in your face, we're in your soap, in your cereal. Oh, can you imagine that? Black Guys in a Box cereal. Get on it. That'll be so sick. 2020. Oh my God. We, we merchandise everything. We'll be like Kiss. <laughs> we'll, we'll be like Kiss. We'll be on everything. It's Black Guys in a Box tinsel, Black Guys in a Box cookies, re- re- recyclable cups, all this sort of stuff. In the for That's where I see us in 10 years. <laughs> We're on everything ridiculously unnecessary. Um, brilliant. So thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back next year. 